Welcome to the inaugural episode of Cannon Fodder, a podcast discussing uh, anything and everything that uh, might come to mind while you're quarantined, trying to survive the coronavirus with uh, our host, the legendary He of Royal Loins, author of In the Herd, Patrick Cannon. Hi, Jim. How are you? Oh, so far, so good. Pat, how's the quarantine treating you over there? Well, you know, it's getting a little boring to tell you the truth, but I'm I'm very look, much looking forward to our our uh, podcast here. We've been talking about it for a while now, and it looks like we've got a bunch of great guests on the line. Yeah, well, uh, this has been a long time in the making, but uh, we'll see what we come up with today and uh, see if we can develop an audience who wants to hear the uh, idiotic ramblings of uh, of the four of us here. And we do have a guest with us from the great mid- Midwest out there. Uh, Big Rich, are you with us? I'm here. Good afternoon. Uh, welcome from the, uh, is it a great state of Illinois, Rich? or uh, the, great, the great state of Illinois. Okay. And and how are things out there? Good. Been uh, hanging out. We're in quarantine as well. Uh, doing all the natural hair quarantine things. Uh, cutting your own hair and uh, making a lot of food and I think the cutting their own hair, that's kind of just normal times out in Illinois, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Just put the bowl on your head and then you should. But I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't cut new bangs for myself though. I didn't join that trend. Okay. Well, there's still time. There's still time. And, and Rich, for those of us, uh, or, or not those of us, but those who may be listening who aren't quite, uh, up to speed on, uh, the time zones, uh, what time would it be out there in Illinois? Let me see. We're uh, we're at three fourteen, so we are one one hour earlier than you. Okay, one so hour. There you go. Never let it be said that this will not be an educational podcast as well. And uh, and we also have with us here um, straight from Paris Island. It looks like uh, who's that over there? Uh, is that Uncle Terry? Yes, it is. Welcome. I'm I'm happy to be here today. So, for those who don't know Uncle Terry, Uncle Terry has been uh, self quarantining since uh, last May. So uh, <laughs> this is not new territory. I was him. way way ahead of this. Way yes. ahead of this. He was ahead of the curve, as as they like to say in the uh, in quarantine talk. Um, so he'll be contributing from uh, what looks like his uh, his sewing room there at home. And then, uh, then we have uh, our youngest contributor, and hopefully, smallest contributor uh, up there. Uh, PJ, is that you up there? Yes. Hello, I- I'm here from, from uh, the the noted bookshelf that Terry has been chirping me about on my Zoom background. Oh my for the last week. goodness! Did we just lose Rich? <laughs> Wow. I'm okay. He fell like a mighty oak. <laughs> the mighty oak that he is. Wow. Wow. And that, that, my friends, is why we don't video these things. So, Pat, why don't you kick it off and, uh, and we'll, get, uh, we'll get right into it now that we've done the introductions. And uh, let's see what's on everybody's mind today. Well, uh, well Jim... With the introductions, uh, I understand, Rich, you, you're in Bloomington. Bloomington, Bloomington, Illinois. Yes. Now, we were talking about haircuts. 
And uh, do a lot of people have uh, scissors, like shearing scissors for sheep in, in your neighborhood? Yes, Tuesday is sheep shearing day. So okay. if you look outside, that's what everybody's doing on Tuesday. And are, are people on all fours to make it easier for the cutter or, or that you sit in a chair? How uh, that, does that work? People have been walking erect here for several decades. And, hey, uh, hey, hey, this is, we didn't, we, we did this as the family podcast. So easy with the, the <laughs> erect talking. All right. Let's not get into uh, Terry Granton years so soon. We're talking about now the haircutting ways of Bloomington. Bloomington, which is the second most famous Bloomington uh, in the country. That's right. Rich, could you remove your hat? I know that this is radio, but see, so that, there you go. Uh, you look and a like fine haircut it is. As bald as a sheep. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So other than getting haircuts, what, what is there to do out there in Bloomington, Indiana, Illinois? Uh, this month or in general? Uh, could it be different in any other month? <laughs> well, the uh, this is the month when uh, the quarantine and the virus has been become the top story. So the farm report has moved to the second story on the news now. So it is planting season. Planting season. Hey, yes. hey, hey, Pat, that uh, that reminds that ten me. months we'll have new kids. We'll have corn, corn in the summer. And oh, well, that kind of planting. And and does that mean uh, that reminds me, Pat? Uh, is the is uh, the farm in out up at Saratoga, or is that taking a taking a hit this year as well? Uh, you're, I just for your listeners, I do have a, a nice plot. Upstate New York, Saratoga Springs. And uh, no, we're not allowed on the farm yet because of the fear of sharing farm, uh, you know, handles and buckets and the hoses. We're going to have to go with a a short season. Saratoga has a short season to begin with. This is going to be a very short season. And and have you done your research as to uh, what you may be able to uh, harvest in such a short season? We've got to get get them in the ground, I would say, by by June. Now, now Rich, from the Midwest, is the corn really knee-high by 4th of July? Knee-high, but it's actually higher than knee-high by 4th of July. And the other thing I did hear on the Farm Report today is that it is not an industry that's affected at all. With social distancing and everything, they will be able to plant and everything will go uh, as expected. So there'll be plenty of food for everybody, plenty of corn, plenty of soybeans, and uh, and everything they need. Rich, do you know, uh, how much do you know about corn? Because, you know, we've been getting these different types of corn, sweet corn and and white corn. And so how how has that come about? That's about the extent of my knowledge. There's oh. sweet corn and white corn. And pop okay. and popcorn. Popcorn. Right. Kettle right. corn. Kettle, Kettle corn. corn. Yeah. And uh Jimmy Crack corn. Uh I don't care. Cornbread Maxwell. Very good. Very good. Did you ever meet him, Pat? Never met cornbread. I've met many celebrities over the years. Who's the most recent celebrity that you met there, Pat? 
Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I just uh, came back two or three weeks ago. I was in Florida spending time with one of the all-time great guys, Goose Gossage. Oh, Hall of Famer. Yeah, Hall of Famer. Tremendous, tremendous guy. And we, uh, I golfed with him for a couple of days and we had dinner and he was so full of stories and he was willing to share. And it was, uh, it was a wonderful time. He was, he's a great fellow. So let me ask you, Pat, is he a vodka drinker? He doesn't drink at all. No. Wow. Spoiler there. I would have thought Grey Goose. Very good. <laughs> so you, you got to share with us a couple of those stories, Pat. All right. Well, well, uh, one question I asked him, I said, and I hate to ask celebrities cliche questions, but I did say, Goose, who was the best player you ever played with? And uh, to my surprise, now he played 22 years, nine different teams. And he said, very easy answer, Dick Allen. He said, well, Dick Allen was the best player he had ever played with. It wasn't even close. And then I said, who was his best? Wait, what team player? What team did he play with, Dick Allen? Uh, Chicago, Chicago White Sox, early 70s. And then I asked him, who was your best pitching coach? He said, Johnny Sane. And who was your best manager? He said, Chuck Tanner. He hated Billy Martin. Hated him. They said, what about, who's the best teammate? He goes, it's not even close, Dick Allen. I said, yeah. no, no, not the best player. Your best teammate. He goes, Dick Allen was the was a baseball genius. He was about 10 years older than Gossage. And he took him under his wings. They talked about pitching strategies and what a hitter would be looking for. He, he goes, he was just a tremendous, tremendous guy. It's a total surprise if you think of <clears throat> Dick Allen. I, I mean, you guys are a little younger. You probably don't remember Dick Allen as a player. But Rich and I remember Dick Allen. We're 60 years old. And uh, he was a force to be reckoned with uh, as a hitter. Right, Rich? Yeah, he was good. And uh, he was, uh, well, he was Richie Allen for a while. Uh, he became Dick Allen. But, yeah, he was good, good home run hitter, good RBI guy. He was a tough guy. Interesting about that. He was, uh, he was known as Dick Allen. But when he came up with the Phillies, he was a young guy, 21, 22 years old. And they just called him Richie. He didn't ha they didn't ask him. They didn't ask him what his name was, what he liked to be called. Uh, they said they just called him Richie. And I think because they had Richie Ashburn at the end of his career and they wanted to, the, the, you know, the, the Philly fans, the, the, here comes another Richie. But when he finally got traded from the Phillies, uh, he, he told his new team and goes, yeah, I want to be called my real name, Dick Allen. And he was uh, a tremendous offensive player. Just tremendous. Well, nobody's real name is Dick. That's... Well, I had heard I had heard a story that it was because of his prowess in the locker room. Well, uh he we, he was a great he was a great teammate and and a and a and a leader. A leader among men, Terry. Uh, so, so did Goose give you uh, any other tidbits that are worth sharing? Or let me ask uh, you: Is he yeah. good? Is he a good golfer? He's a very good golfer. He's about a seven, six or seven handicap. It's a long, long ball. He's a big. He's a big guy, six three. Still in, still in great shape. 
He's a really good guy. Really good guy. So yeah, what? what? Hey, one thing I, I asked about uh, Billy Martin because he had him, and he he really didn't like him. He didn't not like Billy Martin at all. One, one thing about when he joined the Yankees, pe- people forget this. He came in to be their closer on top of Sparky Lyle, who the year before, I think he was... Rolade's Fireman of the Year, I think. More than that, he was like the Cy Young Award winner or or the MVP even. So they brought Gossage in to close above Sparky, Sparky Lyle, who was a very popular guy. So this is the story uh, Gossage tells. His first day at Yankee Spring Training Camp... Some guys are coming by saying hello. He was kind of getting a cold shoulder. He goes out to the field and he's shagging balls. And Billy Martin comes over to him, meets him for the first time. And he said, uh, listen, uh, Gossage, uh, we're going to have a simulated game a little later on with another team, the Cardinals or somebody. Because the first player that's up in that game, I want you to plunk. Plunk him right in the ribs. <laughs> and Gossage was like, uh, who, who is it? What do you got against this guy? He goes, I don't know who it is. I want you to just plunk the guy, show him that you made business and you're a tough Yankee. And, and Gossie says, you know what? I'm not doing that. And then Martin just went off on him to see, I know you're weak and, and just turned his back and walked away. He goes, and and it went downhill from there between Gossage and, and Billy Martin. Um, it's interesting, Pat, you're, you're right about it. He, he won the, uh, Sparky Lyle won the Cy Young. The year before was up in the top ten in the in in voting for the MVP, but got getting back to Gossage, wasn't he wasn't he the guy that was pitching during the the George Brett Pine Tar incident? It was he was, and I brought that up to him because with cheating came up the Astro scandal and all that. He goes, you know what? We had a way of figuring this out in the old days. He's kind of, he's an old school guy. He said. Uh, one time we were playing the Tigers and all the Brewers and uh, Paul Molitor was on second and uh, Robin Yount was up and uh, the catcher came out and he said, uh, I think Molitor's stealing our signs. And uh, it goes, uh, Goose uh, said, I know what to do. And he went back to the uh, plate and he next pitch and right under his chin at about 110 miles an hour. And that was the end of the sign stealing. And the word got around the league, don't steal signs against, uh, certainly against Gossage, or you're going to get one right in the air. And that's how they handled it in the old days. Uh, no no banging drums. They, they, would, they would just dust, dust the guy off. I don't know if Gossage got any signs. All he, all he threw was a fastball, I think. Yeah, he he was one of the first guys that I remember who was just exclusively would come in and just throw as hard as he could and let you try and hit it. I I saw an interview with him one time where they asked him. I I don't think he ever. I don't think he ever had Tommy John or anything like that. And uh, they they were asking him, you know, how he got to be such a hard thrower, and he actually said it was his older brother. He said he used to have a catch with his older brother. And his older brother used to just taunt them, saying, that's not hard enough. You, I, you can't throw hard enough. And he said, I kept throwing until I was crying. I just just because he kept taunting me that I wasn't throwing hard enough. And that's that's how he just turned into being a hard thrower. I don't know if it's Amazing. true. Well, he pitched 22 years. He says his elbow feels fine. He would come into games in the seventh inning and expect to close them. 
get seven, eight, nine outs, just no pitch count. I asked him, how many pitches have you thrown in your career? He goes, I have no idea how many pitches I've thrown in my career. We, we had no pitch count. We were just, just uh, it was your job to finish the game, no matter how many pitches you had to throw. How about the Hall of Fame? Did you talk about that? Him him in the Hall of Fame? Uh yeah, yeah. He he, uh, he he was not big on Mariano Rivera being a uh, a unanimous selection because uh, me either. Yeah, he so you know what? He had something like ninety five percent of his saves with one out. One inning rather. And uh, Gossage was something like 70 or 60, some very low number. I forget what the number uh, he used. But uh, he loves – he's got a lot of camaraderie with uh, a lot of his um, Hall of Fame guys. He goes to ceremony every year and he plays golf with the guys. And, uh, uh, yeah, he, he loves it. Well, maybe the uh, not throwing curveballs for his whole career would save his elbow. You know, I asked him about that, and he said, you know, uh, a lot of people think I just threw, uh, you know, he had a funny expression that I could throw a ball through a car wash and not get wet. But his first early pitching coach that he had was Johnny Sane. And uh, Johnny Sane taught him how to grip a ball that it would be a, sort of like a slider. And if you look at the, uh, the old George Brett uh, footage, of him uh, going yard in that pine tar game, it was a sort of a breaking pitch. It was more of a, I mean, it was a, a right to left. It would go down a little bit, and that's the pitch that uh, certainly the one that Brett hit. And he said, "No, I would throw that pitch all the time. It wasn't just a fastball. I would also also throw a, uh, and he threw it hard, but he also throw a, 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 a sort of a slider." All I mean, but how? how- how ridiculous was it that the pine, like the pine tar, didn't help the ball go anywhere? Just help you with better grip on the bat. The fact that that was even played out the way it did was pretty ridiculous, no? Uh, it well, that's why that's why it was reversed. Yeah, I mean the the, the reason for the pine tar uh, rule that it shouldn't be longer than I think it was eighteen inches, whatever it was. Uh, was to keep the balls clean. Uh, that was just. Are we talking about Dick Allen again? No, we're talking about the the, the pine talking tar. About, oh, 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 talking okay. about the people in Bloomington walking erect. <laughs> yeah. So that's why they had to go back and finish the game because it was overruled. And do you do you recall who finished that game as the center fielder for the Yankees? Uh, no. I do believe it was Ron Guidry. Is that true? I do believe when they resumed that game, Ron Guidry went out to play center field. Did he? Did he make any plays? I don't think so, but you could look it up, as uh, Mel Allen might say. Well, let me tell you. Want to hear a good piece of trivia about Johnny Stein? And pray for rain. Yes, Rick. Who was the? He threw the last pitch to Babe Ruth. And the first pitch ever to Jackie Robinson. Wow. That is a good piece of trivia. There you go. There you go. Feel free to use that, PJ. I will. That that'll that that's that's going in the uh, the repertoire. So uh, 
PJ, uh, any any word about your Hall of Fame internship? Is it uh, on hold still? Uh, yeah, ha- have not been uh, have not been told otherwise yet. So that's that's the start. Maybe maybe I'll bump into Goose if I'm up there all summer. He would love it. He's a great guy. Fu Manchu, uh, mustache still, the whole thing. So so what does Goose now do now? He's just Goose Gossage? He just Goose Gossage. He does appearances uh, for a while. The Yankees in spring training helping out, and uh, but uh, he uh, that ended for some reason. So now he's just Goose. He goes, plays golf with guys and goes to card shows and uh, just, just hangs out. Not a bad life, I wouldn't imagine. Not, not, not a bad, not a bad life at all. So, just confirming, Jim, since I like to be factual, you know, this is not fake news we talk about here on on this podcast. And sure enough, uh, Billy Martin was very infuriated, apparently, about the fact that the game was overturned and they had to go finish the game. And so, in mock protest, he sent Gidry out to center field. And where did Don Mattingly play? Second base for the final out in the ninth inning of that game. So there you go. There you go. I do. Wow. I do remember yeah. actually watching that final out. That really that showed him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Billy Martin. Uh, I said I tried to give Martin some credit. I said he really did a great job. You know, uh, jumping on that bat, and he goose would would not bite on that. He goes, it was a couple of weeks earlier when they were playing Kansas City, and Greg Nettles noticed the bat. And Nettles came in and talked to Gossage, and he says, if this guy gets a hit off you, it goes yard, confiscate the bat. No Martin was around. And he got him out, but they made a mental note of that. Uh, and then, it, you know, it, it paid off. It was several weeks later uh, when the pine tar uh, incident occurred. But it was Nettles who fairly – there's some irony in that, right? Because Nettles later on yeah. got, got ar- um, arrested, got uh, caught with a cork bat, right? Yeah. Yes, he did. He did. And the Super Bowl's flying out of it. Yep. I, I, I will say, though, that, that, that the scene of, uh, of Brett running out of that dugout is one of the all-time classic scenes. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, God. He thought he he joy he said George Brad was a tremendous tremendous hitter. He was. I I thought he was one of the best that uh, growing up. He was just he was a phenomenal hitter and a pretty good third baseman. I I kind of play like him. I think when we when we play in our softball games when I play over there at third. That's know, the I'm, comp, George George Brad. Yeah, I mean I'm a righty, but you have hemorrhoids. Well, I did at one point. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I believe didn't Brett miss a playoff game because of hemorrhoids? I've never missed a playoff game because of hemorrhoids. Air supply, but not hemorrhoids. You know, uh, you know, Terry. Uh, just to get back to Dick Allen, he had forty-two errors one year. He was not a good fielder, <laughs> so that's kind of you and Dick Allen have that in common, and that only. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm going to leave that one alone. It's a lot of errors, Terry. 42. It's a lot of errors. Not my locker room prowess, Pat? No, we don't really have a locker room. It's the bar. Just as well. Just as well. 
By the way, I think the pine tar rule is 15 inches, not 18, but you're always doing that. Pat. In the, it, from the right angle, it looks like it's 18. Yeah. I have another story, Rich. I'm th- looking at you and thinking of you. Uh-oh. I'm washing my hands in the same golf club in the men's locker room. It's a place called Old Memorial in Tampa, Florida. And who pulls in next to me a guy that looks just like Jared Jeter? And I'm washing my hands, and he's washing his hands, and I look up. 20 seconds? Was it 20 seconds, Pat? Not 20 seconds. Not 20 seconds, but. It was pre-coronavirus then if you weren't washing for 20 seconds. Pre-corona. And I turn to the guy, and he looks at me, and I say to myself, wow, this guy could pass for Derek Jeter. He looks just like him, but he's way too big, way too tall. Derek Jeter, in my mind anyway, was a five foot ten, five foot eleven shortstop. This guy, I'm saying to myself, is tall like Rich Lau. He's like six five, six six. And sure enough, it was Derek Jeter. Did you know he's a monster of a man? Post uh, juicing years, I guess that was. Allegedly. Makes you tall? Well, he didn't grow six inches. Cal, Cal, Cal Ripken Jr., also a monster of a man. Fact fact check here again. Fact check. Derek Jeter is 6'3". And Cal, he's taller than that. And Cal, and Cal Ripken Jr.? He's taller than that. Okay. Derek Jeter? Derek Jeter. What's the, what, what, you're a short guy. You're a short guy. Yeah, for you, for you that's huge. He's taller than that. What's what's Cal Ripken Jr.? He's got to be six two, six three. So so that's an interesting uh, segue. Six it, four. It, six four. There you go. Is uh, Derek Jeter the most famous person you've ever been in a bathroom with, Pat? Uh, let me see. Bathrooms. I've been in bathrooms with Keith Hernandez. Uh, bathrooms. Hmm. Yeah, I would say Derek Jeter. Okay. Rich? Well, we, we, uh, we were next to Mitch Richmond and Chris Mullen in the New York Athletic Club locker room. That we were. That we were. That, that's one Hall of Famer. Was Mitch Richmond a Hall of Famer? Yes, he did get in two years ago, I believe. Two Hall of Famers in a locker room, different than a bathroom, but we'll give you a partial credit for that. Uh, Rich, Rich, most famous person you've ever been in a bathroom with? I got nothing when it comes to uh, to bathroom celebrities now. Really, Rich? They don't have bathrooms out there. I try to stay away. I try to stay away from the celebrities in the bathroom. Terry, you got any uh, celebrity bathroom? I, well, the only one that I can remember was uh, only what was it two years ago? Last year, last year, the Mets. I went to the awards dinner. The three Mets. Who were the three Mets, the 69 Mets that were there? Cleon Jones. Cleon Jones. Exactly. Cleon Jones was in the bathroom literally next to me in the urinal. There you go. There you go. And, that, that, okay. and he washed his hands. So it, did I. Not for 20 seconds, it, it, but that was a different time. In, in some uh, in, in in some circles, Cleon Jones is a bigger celebrity than Derek Jeter, but uh, we'll leave that out there. So I, I myself had two two celebrity bathroom encounters. Uh, the, the first being at uh, Mickey Mantle's restaurant. 
the old Mickey Mantle is right up there on Central Park South. Um, and I was in Mickey Mantle's one night in the bathroom uh, at the urinal, and and a large presence occupied the urinal at, next to me, and I decided I wasn't going to look around. Like, that's not something you do when you're at the urinal. So I turned and washed my hands because, yes, yes, I did wash my hands as well, and I probably didn't do 20 seconds, but this was long before coronavirus. And as I was there at the sink, uh, the mountain of a man who had been at the urinal next to me appeared next to me at the sink. And I looked in the mirror, and there, in the most striking purple suit that I've ever seen, other than perhaps the Joker, was none other than Charles Oakley. And uh, I nodded at him, he nodded at me, and we went on our way. And and then my other uh, my my other ba- bathroom encounter was uh, in uh, I suppose it was 2004. I was at a John Kerry for President uh, event at the Sheridan in Manhattan. Big event, all you know, grand ballroom, probably I don't know, 500 people, all the big wig celebrities at the time uh, who were there supporting Kerry. He was running, I guess, George W. Bush, right? Um, and uh, he, uh, I was at the bathroom, and we had, let's see, who was there? Chevy Chase was there, not in the bathroom. Kathleen Turner, all these celebrities were all around us. But I was at the bathroom, again, at the urinal, and uh, next to me came Peter Boyle of young Frankenstein Frankenstein fame. And at the time was probably on, uh, everybody loves Raymond and, uh, hadn't had an, had an uh, interesting interaction with Peter Boyle. Just again, while washing hands, just, uh, talked small talk. And then we left and, uh, went back to the table. I was sitting at, I was with a bunch of guys and I mentioned that I had been in the bathroom with Peter Boyle. One of my friends was, Oh, I love him. Young Frankenstein's my favorite show. And, uh, so later on at the end of the, uh, end of the night, we wound up all walking out and we're walking out onto sixth Avenue. Um, and a friend of ours who we had gone with had arranged to have a limousine there to drive us back to long Island. Uh, but he decided he was going to stay in the city. So the, the limo was there to take us home. And as we walked out, it was pouring, raining, pouring, raining. And I just happened to be walking next to Peter Boyle and his wife, and uh, we acknowledged each other from our brief bathroom encounter. And as we got outside, his wife says to Peter Boyle, we're never going to get a cab. It's pouring. You know, there's all these people coming out. We're never going to get a cab. So I say, well, if you need a ride home, we have a limo. We'll be happy to take you home. Having no idea where they lived, but said, what the hell? We got a limo. Somebody else paid for it. So I'd figured I'd offer and he said, no, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, And so we walk outside and directly across the street uh, parked on the corner is this stretched limousine that uh, that's there and it's our limo. So the, the guys there hold up the sign. So we see it's there and we walk outside and Peter Boyle's wife says to Peter Boyle, ask him if he was serious. And I, he turns to me and he says, were you serious about having a car here? And I said, that's our car. 
apparently right there on the corner. And he said, well, if you wouldn't mind, we'd take you up on that offer. So I turned to the guys I'm with. I said, well, we have to take Peter Boyle and his wife home. <laughs> and uh, I said, sure, we'll take you. And I said, can I ask you where you live? So they said, we live up on East End Avenue. Uh, so I said, oh, no problem. We're heading to Long Island. We can definitely do that. So they pile in the car with us and uh, was probably, I don't know, it might have taken us a half hour that night to get across town, but was a fascinating trip. And talk about a fascinating guy um, who the one thing that I remember most about the discussion was he was John Lennon's best man when he uh, I was just going to say that, yeah. And, uh, and a I, he, but he couldn't have been nicer. And we dropped him off at his at his place up there on East End, and he took all of our cards so he could send us, uh, you know, something. And he sent us autographed pictures. You know, thanks for the ride. Uh, but just out of a out of a bathroom encounter. Well, so so if somebody Google's celebrity bathroom encounters, this podcast would come up. Is that how? <laughs> these are, these are washes with greatness. Wash, washes <laughs> with greatness. Yes, I like it. You know, there's a hey, hey, rich. There's people that have fetishes about this stuff. That's you know, right. so and though I was came up short on the celebrity uh, bathroom encounters, I did get to. Uh, I can jump on one thing you said that I never expected this to come up, but you mentioned Kathleen Turner, and uh, though it wasn't in a bathroom, I sang at Kathleen Turner's wedding. Just her on her wedding day, and uh, was it was it body heat, Kathleen <laughs> Turner, or was yes, it yeah, like, it was, you know? uh, yeah, because two thousand and four, <laughs> Kathleen Turner had a lot of miles on her. Yeah, no, this was probably nineteen eighty, I would guess. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. What did nice. you sing? I sang a little song, wishing her and her husband well out at their uh, outdoor wedding in Southampton. How'd you get that gig? It was somebody ordered a singing telegram for them. What do you mean you kissed her? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't like to go into detail. (laughs) After all, it was her wedding day. That's right. Well, there you go. You never knew we were going to get to Kathleen Turner. That's That's right. That's the beauty of cannon fodder. You just never know where it's going to go. I didn't think we were going to go this way with this conversation, but you seem to hang around bathrooms a lot. Uh, I do have a weak bladder, but I don't have a wide stance. (laughs) Very good. Well, we're going to play softball. What do you think? Well, funny you should mention, I got the, uh, I got the call from our good friend, Tommy this morning telling me, uh, the meeting's canceled for next Saturday, and uh, he'll he'll let us know uh, as soon as he hears anything from the town. So uh, we're we're in a holding pattern on that, and might be an abbreviated season, which would be nothing new for you, Pat. But uh, uh, it yeah, may, but Pat will be on the wrong side of that abbreviated he, season. He may very well be. Guys, you think maybe we can have a season, but no fans? Uh, um, what, I I don't know I. <laughs> We only play for the fans, Pat. I, I don't know that I'm ready to play a whole season with no fans. You and LeBron. Yes. 
Yes, me and LeBron. Because I think last year we had a fan. Yeah, nobody wants anybody from New York coming to visit them these days. That's right. Uh, getting that a little bit from my uh, neighbors upstate. Uh, from oh, the, really? Saying stay home? Ogian and uh, I'm in a next-door neighbor uh, uh, app, you know, and uh, now nah, stay in place, stay in place. We don't need you. But it's there already. It's everywhere. It is everywhere. It is everywhere. There's no question about that. We had a, uh, the Grand Marshal of the uh, St. Patrick's Day Parade was uh, our good friend Jerry Asher was shook about a thousand hands two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. They're pointing to that as uh, prime source of the spread in Huntington, right? Yeah, they shouldn't have had that parade. Does Jerry have it? He had it. Oh, geez. He's on the mend, though. He's on the mend. Wow. That's great. But, uh, yeah, that was just before everybody was really taking it seriously. Yeah, I think that was the eighth, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm ha- I'm happy to see that Rich that you're keeping uh, keeping tabs on the Huntington uh, ongoings even yeah, from out there the, in uh, get Illinois. Yeah, we get the delivered. Yeah, we're I'm a little well. It's uh, though it's one hour early here. The, I get the Observer about one week late. Well, do you get mail more than once a week? Uh, sometimes. Rich, you you live on one of those addresses, RD. Like one Royal Drive. Yeah, I'm in the 1,000 block of uh, RD4. You're RD, right? You're right. Yep. Uh, uh, you get your own mail, all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you want a, a, a line on the phone with several other people at the same time? I know. That's why I'm surprised we're able to do this. So. One of the neighbors sometimes chimes in on the party line. The party line. Yes. You got the Wichita lineman out there uh, checking for yeah. you? Still on the line. Still on the line. <laughs> you guys are too young to remember this, but when we would call California, uh, my my mother's uh, sister moved to California. We had to be very, very quiet in the house as kids. Because it was such a long way away. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> like you had to scream like a banshee. Oh, God. Was it a state then? Oh, yeah, it was a state. It was a state. But everybody's got to be quiet. We're calling California now. There you go. Uh, hey, PJ, do you yeah. remember the rotary dial? I, I I do remember the rotary dial only from the basement of Grandma and Tapa's house. Yes, that is yes. my only experience with the rotary dial. They were one of the last uh, holdouts for the rotary phone. And, and why is why is uh, New York uh, City two one two? You know why? Why is that? No, it's uh, to have very short uh dial so you just go oh uh, well, it's easier to dial easy to dial very short distance if it was like you you would go like nine eight seven and go it took uh, forever right oh, you couldn't you you couldn't make it go any faster no matter how is you that, is to that a true story is that a true story pad that sounds like it could be like a wives tale canon has spoken canon has spoken and Derek shoot told in the sixth grade i was in the next 
Unless that was on my knees. Pat is, okay. is calling the official Yankee uh, height listing bluff. I don't care what they say. He's tolling six straight. And I guess we'll uh, we can wrap it up for this episode with the uh, the image of Pat Cannon on his knees looking up at Derek Jeter in a bathroom. Let me practice dialing dialing two one two. And there you go. Rich has broken out the the rotary dial. And next episode, maybe we'll talk about uh, collect calls <laughs> from prisoners. <laughs> All right, and, folks. And Pat, Pat, I just want to say I've confirmed. I've confirmed uh, with my helpers in the back that uh, that is exactly why it was two one two. spoken. Never doubted. Pat. Never doubted you, Pat. Logical Never doubted. Way to assign codes was given the lowest lowest numbers to the most used numbers. Yeah, pretty All good. Right. All right, very good. Next hey, time, hey, I got a question. Wait, I got a question for you. What are the next two cities that have the lowest possible numbers? Uh, 201 is Jersey, right? Oh, it's a long one. That's a long one. Oh, it is. You're right. Yeah, you got to go all the way. 213. 213 is LA. LA, yep. And not too far from you, uh, Rich. Probably close 215. to 215. 312. 312 Chicago. The old yeah. 312. There that, you go. That, that's the big city out there by you, Rich. That's the big one. <laughs> We go up there every uh, every now and then. Hitch the old horse and buggy up and away you go. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, I think this was a good uh, kickoff to uh, a little cannon fodder, and, and we'll see what next episode brings. Pat, you got any teases for us? Yes. Uh, prisoners who have called me collect. That will be our next show. I, I got a story for you. <laughs> okay. Well, with that, folks uh, – there's no way you can't turn tune in for the next one. So uh, we'll let you know, and you can see it on all of your uh, podcast medium. All right. Thanks, folks. Enjoy Good your job. quarantine. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.